Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme, a Rediscovering Prayer. And today we ask, what did Jesus teach about prayer? And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Welcome again, David. Good afternoon, listeners. Hi, Gary. It is wonderful. Isn't it lovely outside today? It is. We had In Adelaide, we had a really hot week last week, a mild summer, but a hot week last week, and this week is very, very um, mild, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. But the trouble is, of course, today and yesterday and the day before, we've been caught inside, uh, and of course, we've been uh, involved in a series of meetings, both yourself and myself. In fact, it's been a, ba- a mad rush to actually get over here to the uh, to the studio to, to, to set things up ready for, for today, because we've had a, a, a series of meetings dealing with the the deeper realms of theology. Now, David, we don't hear much about theology these days. David, tell us now. You're you're a president. You're a trained pastor. What is theology? So theology is is the study of God and the in the, in the study of God's word. And I guess it sets up a a framework, a foundation for you to understand and synthesize scripture through. Okay, okay. Uh, tell me though, is is theology really all that important? Because after all, I mean, there's so many uh, different disciplines out there. I mean, you go to universities and there are dozens of people who seem to seem to be saying, "Hey, you know, that particular faculty or that particular course is a bit useless. We don't really need that. You know, let's stop funding that particular course." I mean, theology. I mean, how is theology all that important? The answer is yes, and I think you and I are talking just before the program that, uh, you know, we've both been through Europe and, and many of these ancient universities, um, you know, through the Europe and England, uh, theology was, uh, and seminaries and, and colleges to, to teach theology were some of the key components of the universities. In fact, some of the reason that some of those universities were actually originally established is because they were actually there to be able to teach and train ministers, priests, and, priests, yes. and teachers. And it was the same with uh, universities like Yale and Harvard. So uh, the teaching of theology was critical. Okay. And so it still is today, but we're living in a society clearly where, where Scripture in our part of the world is certainly, and Christianity is something that is um, moved from the mainstream, if you like. Okay, okay. Do you know, there are some areas of study that really provide the, I suppose, the foundation blocks to everything that comes after, don't isn't it? There is. And so the last couple of days you and I have sat through and a team of ministers about nine hours of um, presentations on soteriology, the study of salvation, uh, which is fundamental and foundational. But it was really eye-opening. And you've been in ministry a lot longer than me. But um, to really understand how salvation has been viewed throughout history by Christians yeah, yeah. and... Um, 
Uh, yeah, it was powerful. I, I found that actually absolutely intriguing, the, the meetings that we did actually have, because to actually see the changes that have occurred in how people view the subject of salvation uh, down through centuries has been uh, absolutely intriguing, because to me the thing that really stands out to me is it uh, it explains to me why there are uh, so many both divergent thoughts on this particular issue, but also what the ancients would actually call uh, contemporary heresies. Now, that's correct. And so, yeah, we had explained to us again today and in the last couple of days and unpacked in, in a really wonderful way by the theologian, Dr. Darius Yankovic, um, that uh, humanity is depraved. Yeah. Totally yeah. lost without God. Yeah. And yeah. um, where did it go from there, Gary? Well, that's that's uh, you, you've started us on a track, and I sort of feel we should go on for the next hour on this. But look, we won't do that um, because uh, my head is uh, is still spinning, and I do not want all our listeners out having their heads uh, spinning. But uh, do you know when you look at these things? I just uh, I, the conclusion I came to is what a fantastic God we actually serve. Amazing! What a beautiful God! What it explains so much to me about the character of. God, uh, when you have an understanding, a scriptural understanding of what um, what salvation is all about, you say, we serve a marvelous God, a God that has done everything for our salvation, and nothing that I can do myself, but everything that, that he has done. We contribute nothing, and there is this, this God, the God, that comes searching unrelent, uh, relentlessly, yeah. searching relentlessly for humanity to come and save them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's incredibly powerful. But look, David, let's come to our World Watch segment. Now, I, I love this particular segment because I didn't realise how much material there actually is out there in the uh, uh, in the religious uh, survey areas. And uh, I came across a an article. This one comes from just late last year, and it particularly concerns uh, re- the religious lives of US teens. Now, we actually haven't said a great deal about about youth and um, the religiosity of young people on, on this particular program. So this particular survey really stood out uh, to me. It talked about the 10 key findings about the religious lives of US teens. Now, uh, this is uh, this is what this particular survey did. Uh, parents have a lot of influence, the, the article said, over their teenagers. We know that, including when it comes to religion. But while teens in the United States take after their parents' religiosity in many ways, they stand out in some others, according to a new Pew Research Center report. The report looks at U.S. teens' religious lives and the way these reflect or don't reflect the religious lives of their parents. It's based on a survey of 1,811 pairs of teens aged 13 to 17, and their parents, with one teen and one parent from each household being interviewed. Each person answered questions not only about their own religious affiliation, beliefs and practices, but also about the role they think religion plays in the life of the other person taking the survey. What were the 
key findings of the report. Well, just let me just mention just just a couple, and then I'd love you to actually talk about uh, comment on one of them. Uh, the first one they uh, they concluded was that most teens do actually share the religion of their parents or legal guardians. Now, this wasn't a surprise. This has been shown in many surveys. Uh, young people, if they're going to move away from uh, from Christ and religion, often do that about the age of, of university. Uh, teenagers tend to reflect the religion of their parents or guardians. Approximately half of teens, 48%, say they have all the same religious beliefs as their parents. Significantly, however, one third of them say the parent actually doesn't know that they do differ in their religion, but they're going along with their religion at this particular point in time. The one I'd like you to comment on, though, David, is this one. It's a number. It's the third conclusion that uh, that this survey brought to the surface. Teens are just as likely as their parents to say they regularly go to religious services. But when it comes to more personal forms, and of course, this is what we're dealing with today, when it comes to more personal forms of religious expression, teens appear less religious than their parents. And then it said this, teens are less likely than their parents to pray daily. That compared 27% of teens versus 48% of church attending parents. Uh, teens are less likely to believe in God with absolute certainty. That's 40% compared to the 63% of those church attending parents. And teens are less likely to consider religion very important in their lives. That's 24% versus 43% of religiously inclined parents. Now, to me, this is really saying something because this is talking about the, I suppose, the uh, the personal forms of religious expression. Now, David, what is this saying to us, I suppose, as parents, I mean, is this simply a generational thing that they're going to grow out of, or is this uh, has does this have more significance? Do you think? Yeah, it's quite disturbing for parents, isn't it, to read this? Uh, you know, Seventh Day Adventist Church operate, operates a worldwide education system. Yeah. And uh, it's not uncommon as a minister to hear stories or the expectations from families that the church will provide the biblical training and everything Mm. for their children or the church school will. But what this tells us, and, and I believe it's scriptural as well, is that the home is really the education place, the primary education place for children and spirituality. Yes, there needs to be mentors, etc. So if it's not happening in the home, it may not happen outside of the home. But but what we've found here, though, is that the parents are, um, to a a larger degree, committed to things and the children to a lesser extent. The other thing I believe is that uh, it's okay. It's Someone can have a head knowledge. Children can grasp that quickly. Yeah. But we need to move from head to heart. There needs mm. to be a transition that in other words a transformation that there is this knowledge but this knowledge is critical this knowledge is life changing. So it goes from just knowledge to knowledge about Jesus to the fact of knowing Jesus. 
And that is actually the real challenge, isn't it? Because making that transition, I know there are so many uh, children get brought up in religiously inclined homes, but once they head off to somewhere like university, suddenly there's a, there's this mass exodus, uh, that, that takes place from almost any church. That's true. And, and, and let, let's make this really clear. You might have the best parenting, the best environment for your children. Um, you might be doing morning and evening devotions and worship with them. They might be doing their own worship and reading scripture and praying. Mm. There, there's no guarantee that that will end in success. So a parent may do everything they can. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm glad you picked that up, you know, Dave, because I'm really conscious that being a parent is actually a, a very guilt-producing business. Do you find that? It is. And you feel, um, and maybe this is part of, of God wants us to understand what, you know, maybe we understand in a small way what he experiences on a large frame, a large scale, that you feel incapable, you feel lots of different things, don't you, as a parent? You don't have all the answers. And so this drives us and should drive us to prayer, praying for our children. And Gary, um, I believe that, uh, God wants everyone to be saved, and obviously it has to be a choice. Yeah. But I also believe that God also fills in the gaps sometimes when you do your best, and God keeps working on the hearts and the minds of our children even as they grow older. Yeah. And just one story, I remember um, one particular church I pastored, and this this man started attending out of the blue, and he was in uh, probably his 50s. And um, he would rush off after church before anyone could speak to him. Eventually, he began to stay longer. And and um, my wife approached him one day, um, and she sort of got talking and asked whether he would like Bible studies and baptism, and he jumped at that. Mm. A- and I then caught up with him. This is after about six-month period of trying to, to mm. find out who he was. And he told me that um, – the Holy Spirit had been working on his heart. He left the church at about age 18, 19. Uh, was a turning point in his life where he began to, you know, things began to turn in his mind. And his parents yeah. had been praying for him for 30-odd years. Wow. And he walked back into wow. a relationship wow. with the Lord. Well, I know in my own case, I know it's, it's certainly the prayers of my mother that I think ultimately uh, impacted impacted me to actually move the direction that I, that I certainly have gone. But, David, tell me... It, in, so sorry, in, Gary. Yeah. The message is that um, don't give up as parents. You yeah, know, keep yeah. praying for your children. If I've got small children, though, how can I, I suppose, mentor them so that they will become involved in the personal aspects of religion, uh, the uh, have a and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's it's completely immersing them, I think, in the things of God. Uh, as they get a bit older, getting them to lead in some of these things and take the initiative. Uh, it's also about having godly mentors yeah. other than just the family. Um, it could be grandparents. It could be other people that invest in those children Yeah, um, yeah. and getting them involved with other spiritual children and spiritual families yeah. as well. Yeah. How do you find things like family worship? 
Yeah, look. Um, well, what is family worship first? For us, so, oh, sorry, family worship is, is, I guess, a family spending time in the morning and hopefully the evening as well. Starting the day and ending the day with God. Now, that doesn't take the place of your own personal devotions. But in our family, one of the practices we do uh, every night uh, when, we, when we do worship with the children before they go to bed is we, we thank God for the blessings of the day. And it's a positive experience where we go around and we're thankful and we're praising God. And, um, you know, often we'll be working through a particular book or a story, um, uh, reading spiritual promises, etc., mm-hmm. um, as a family. Now, that's separate to, to the devotions that I do, but it's yeah. when we come to – or our children or my wife does, but it's when we come together as a family. But it's modelling something and sending a message to your children, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and there are times where we say, okay, well, you organise uh, worship you know, yeah. tonight or tomorrow night, and, and they'll take the initiative and be very creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a wonderful thing when that does actually take place. You know, they, it's amazing what they do actually respond with sometimes, isn't it? It does, and uh, I see technology involved in that, you know, <laughs> all sorts of quizzes and you name it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Look, guys, look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Michael Card, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai Age to age you're still the same By the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Erechim Kana Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Through your love and through the ram You saved the son of Abraham And by the power of your hand Turn the sea into dry land To the outcast on her knees Set your children free El Shaddai El Shaddai El Elyonah Adonai Age to age You're still the same
understand That your most awesome work was done Through the frailty of your son El Shaddai Beautiful worship song that uh, that really is. Uh, we've got uh, we've got some wonderful offers for you uh, for you today, particularly those of you in uh, in Adelaide here. Uh, we've got uh, a free offer for everybody, firstly, and that's uh, uh, the book "Incredible Answers to Prayer" by Roger Mornay. Now, this is a real beauty. This is uh, uh, a book that allows you uh, to read a series of stories about some true prayer about the true prayer answering God uh, that we serve. Uh, the, the answers are really, uh, are really out there. They are really amazing. This is the sort of book uh, that you could read for your early morning devotional time. This is the sort of book that you could read for your family worship. Uh, this is the sort of book that would, would challenge anyone who hears it. If you would like a copy of Incredible Answers to Prayer by Roger Mornay, uh, please just send your, just text, uh, your name, uh, your address and your phone number. Please text that to 04888 808 11. That's 04888 808 11. On your mobile phone, just text us to that number. That number is a, a text only number. Uh, so you, you can't actually ring it. Uh, but we would love to hear from you. So if you send us your, uh, your name, your address, your phone number, and just put the, uh, little, uh, insertion there, um, the name of that book, uh, which is, uh, Incredible Answers to Prayer. So we know which offer it is that you're, you're asking for. And, uh, we will send that, uh, send that book to you. It's a really fantastic, uh, a really fantastic book. Now we have another offer for, uh, this is for, uh, those people particularly who live in here in Adelaide. For some time, uh, I've been concerned that about the contemporary state of our world. I, I personally believe that uh, increasingly religion is morphing into a form that would almost be unrecognisable to biblical Christians of almost any 
previous generation. Uh, with this in mind, I've actually put together a short seminar series entitled uh, The End Times and the Gospel's Climax. In this series, we're going to be looking at the scriptures and we're going to be providing answers to some of the biggest religious questions of our time. We're going to be asking things like, what are the big religious trends currently impacting the Christian world? And why is biblical religion facing the perfect storm? Uh, This is an in-person, nine-meeting series that I'll be personally hosting. We're commencing Saturday, March 13, and concluding Saturday, March 20. If if you'd like me to hold you a seat and send you details of time and location, just just text End Time Series to that same text number, 04-888-808-11, with your name, your address, and your phone number. And please be aware that because of our COVID requirements, space is actually limited, but please text your name, your address, your your phone number, 04 808 11 I'd love you to come and join with me. This is going to be, I believe, a really beaut uh, little little series. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, and this week, we're taking as our theme, uh, Rediscovering Prayer. And today we ask, uh, what did Jesus teach about prayer? Now, David, help us out on, on this particular one. What did Jesus, we're going into the Gospels now, what did he teach his disciples about this huge subject of prayer? Yeah, this is a really important topic, isn't it, Gary? It's critical and crucial. Uh, I guess before we begin, uh, I'm not sure about you, but often as Christians, we spend a lot of time talking about prayer, thinking about prayer, and probably talking and thinking about prayer more than we actually do pray. True, exactly. And yet, prayer is a source of power. It's an incredible source of power, and and Satan will do anything he can to distract us. He is happy if we talk about prayer, think about prayer, preach about prayer, read about prayer. He's happy with all those things. In fact, David, the one of the remarkable things that I've sort of seen in the research more recently is that even amongst religious people, the amount of prayer is actually decreasing significantly. And I'm talking church attending a people here. This is, this is something where personal devotional lives are certainly not what they once were. That's true. And we know the longer we are, uh, the closer we're living to the, to the, the return of Jesus. Yeah. Um, Revelation tells us that the devil knows his time is short and he's going around like a raging lion seeking who, whom he can devour. So because his time is short and we are living right near the end of earth's history, then Satan is getting more angry and agitated as time goes on. Surely prayer is even more important than ever before. Yeah. So Satan will do anything to nullify us praying. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it, preach about it, read about it, but as long as we don't pray, because there is power, immense and incredible power in prayer. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. question is, what did Jesus uh, talk about? What did Jesus uh, pray about? And I want to start this little survey, I guess, of Scripture, Gary, if we could, by uh, turning to uh, Luke chapter... Yeah, look, let's go to Luke chapter 6, will we? Um 
There's Luke 11. As a, I, yeah. I, I love Luke, Luke 11. We'll, as we'll a, come back to Luke 16. Let's go okay. to Luke 11 because that probably is a good way to start it, Gary. So Luke 11, and I think we'll be reading from verse, um, verse 1. And it says here, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So this is quite significant. Now, Jesus is praying. Now, we know from this that Jesus wasn't always praying in silent. Yeah. He's praying out loud. Yeah. His followers, his disciples come to him and it's, it's, uh, they come to him and while he's praying out loud, verbally pouring out his heart to God, expressing himself, his disciples hear, um, hear what Jesus is saying, hear what Jesus is praying. And when he finishes, they ask him this all-important question. It's actually a question that really quite staggers me because these disciples, of course, if they had been uh, come from a Gentile background and they were asking, a Lord, teach us to pray, I'd sort of understand that. But these guys have actually all grown up in the, as part of the Israelite nation. They're Jewish heritage. They're Jewish heritage, which means that they've actually gone to the temple schools and one of the things that you studied in the temple schools was how do you pray? Now, were these guys failures of that, do you think? No, they had all of that. And maybe this is one of the, the things why we don't pray so much today. Mm. Because sometimes there's something missing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember at, at funerals that I've attended, uh, I attended my cousin's funeral. He died of a brain tumor at 26. Yeah. And the prayer that the pastor preached, I've probably heard three or four powerful prayers, but this pastor, uh, there was the casket, the coffin at the front of the church, and I was, he was my best friend that I'd lost. And, and the pastor, that final prayer, you know, um, uh, he was pleading, and I was certain that uh, there was going to be a resurrection. Wow. It was just this incredible conversation with God, you know, um, intimate conversation that was there for the whole church to hear. In other words, in this particular prayer that Jesus prays, the disciples have heard something, even though they are people who are regular prayers, they've been taught to pray, they know what it means to pray, and yet they hear Jesus pray, and apparently there is a, a depth of prayer here, there's something that bounces out at them where they simply say, Lord, teach us to pray. Something's missing in my prayer life, and, and I don't know about you, Gary, but... Uh, I, I want to learn to pray more. I want to learn to pray more effectively, yeah. uh, more uh, intimately with God. And yeah. and so if you're a listener out there right now and, you know, prayer is just routine, your prayers just seem to bounce off the ceiling, um, you know, it's not something that you you really get so excited about. There is some hope here. Yeah, yeah, because, because these are believers. These are believers. These are the disciples. This is the apostles, the twelve, and they come come to Christ after he's been with them for a while. And this question, Lord, teach us, teach us to teach pray. Teach us to pray. Yeah, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have heard Jesus pray? It, indeed, indeed. So, yeah. so then we get into Jesus's response. Now we need to be careful uh, that this prayer is is a model prayer. It is. It's not a magical um, uh, sequence or or, or or thing that we have to repetitiously say. And this is what what Jesus is actually doing is teaching them what we actually call today 
the Lord's Prayer. Now, to me, the unfortunate thing is that today we've seemed to have been able to turn the uh, Lord's Prayer into a little bit of a, a rote yeah. a type type thing, exactly what the disciples had learnt in the uh, synagogue. That's a very good point. So often we're just turning something into a formality. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So let's, let's read, shall we? Yeah, let's, yeah, read, sure. let's read this, this prayer. Uh, so he said to them, verse 2 of Luke 11, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's a simple prayer, isn't it? It is a simple prayer. Now, let, let's pull this apart a bit, Gary. Um it's a model prayer. He says, when you pray, say. Now, notice he says, our Father. Mm, mm. Our Father. And in behind that Greek word Father is the word Abba, yeah. which is Daddy. Yeah. yeah. And you know, David, when I, when I pray myself, I actually use this as a model I don't actually follow the the exact uh, the exact words of it, but that part, our Father in heaven, hallowed by be thy name. What I find is occurring there is there is some worship that's actually occurring. And what I think Jesus is actually saying to his disciples is when you pray, I want you to start with worship. Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, one of the words that's often used for prayer is a Greek word proskunio, which means to be prostrate on the ground, in, yeah. almost like in front of a king, uh, on your flat on your face on the ground, uh, which is a very vulnerable position. Mm. So this is a position of worship. It, 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 prayer is worship. Yeah, yeah. And which means you don't actually, when you start start your prayer, worship doesn't have to be just said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You actually say things that whereby you're worshipping the Heavenly Father. So meaningful from our own heart. Meaningful from our own heart. Now, yeah. the other important thing for me, Gary, with the beginning of this prayer, our Father, our Daddy, mm. which is in heaven, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So this tells us that that here we serve a God that is omnipotent, a God that is all-powerful, mm -hmm. a, a supernatural being, the creator, the originator of everything. And what an incredible privilege it is for us to be able to come as his children and sit at his feet, you know, this is one of the things I absolutely love doing first thing in the morning. You know, I, I, I'm thankfully I'm a morning person. I feel sorry for night people. I go to bed, you know, reasonably early, but I, I get up reasonably early as well. Mm. Um, my wife would say too early, but you know, this is, this is a privilege of being able to worship the most high God and to, uh, and to glorify his name. Sometimes to do that, I actually use one of the Psalms. Yeah, absolutely. So, so here is a God who is sovereign. He is above everything. He is transcendent. Yeah. He is high above our Father, which is in heaven. Mm. Now that gives an element of distance, if you like. Yeah. And yet Jesus says, Daddy. Daddy. Our, daddy. Our daddy. So there is this balance between this God that is transcendent above everything, but is also very imminent, yes. very near. Yeah. yeah. So we worship a holy God, mm. a high and holy God who is perfect, but a God who is also near. Yeah. Holy is your name, your kingdom come. Now, how often do we really pray for God's kingdom to come? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And what does that mean to you, David? Are we talking there about the? Uh, ad, I'm a Seventh Day Adventist pastor. I I know Scripture teaches a lot about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Is this just talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ? Look, I think two things. I believe it is talking about the return of. Uh, Jesus, the second coming, but also for the reign of Jesus in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. Because often Jesus says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is within you. Yeah, yeah. So there is this this both end. So uh, it's the return of Jesus, but the reign of Jesus in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. And, and that to me is the very beautiful thing because, you know, I'm so conscious that it is it is so easy to say uh, I'm not part of the kingdom just yet, whereas what uh, I find within the scriptures is the very moment I've come to accept Jesus Christ, the very moment you must be born again. And when I am born again, I'm actually already part of the kingdom of God. Absolutely. And to me, that uh, this is such a beautiful picture that's painted here. It is. And so this first part of the Lord's Prayer is a focus on God, his glory, his amazing grace, and God's desire for humanity. So it's a focus on God. So uh, your kingdom come and your will be done. Yeah. yeah. Now, often we pray about our own will. Our own want. Now, that's actually a really hard one. Um, you know, your will be done on earth. You know, if you like your will be done in my life. Because, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of, David, is that, you know, I think of Jesus when he was in Gethsemane. He was yes. going to go to the cross and he prayed to his father. He said, Lord, uh, if it is your will, let me get out of this situation. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, to me, I look at this and I, I simply say, hey, your will be done in on earth. And that to me, that says in my life. Yes. I'm actually submitting myself to the will of the Father in heaven. And for me, this is the crunch point for humanity. Uh, to be in a relationship with Jesus, to experience that salvific power, the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, we need to submit our will. Yeah. We need to say, not our will, not what I want, but you want. And as you say, Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he says, if this cup, if, if this, if this, uh, plan of salvation, if this torture, this execution that is about to take place, uh, if there is any other way for salvation to occur, um, please let it happen. Yeah, yeah. But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And so for me, I, I have learnt through the loss of loved ones that um, I can pray for a miraculous healing, and we should. Yeah, God wants to hear our prayers. He wants to hear our heart's desires. Yeah. But here is Jesus also praying for his heart's desire. But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And, and this is actually something that uh, about the, the says something about the walk of faith, you know, David, because one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I go there every now and then when I, I get a little discouraged, is, is Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11, of course, is a marvelous chapter because what it's doing is talking about this thing called faith. And uh, you get, you know, by faith Abel, and it tells the story of Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, uh, by faith Sarah, and uh, it just keeps on going. Abraham and Joseph and Moses, and uh, the, by faith the walls of Jericho. Well, And then it comes to a real crescendo. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Japheth, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, 
quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. The list just goes on and goes on. and Mm. This crescendo that keeps going higher and higher. But then there's a sudden twist. And, you know, David, it's this twist that has troubled many people because it says this, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. You know, David, sometimes I I wonder, you know, I've, I've said to some people, are these the people who didn't pray? No, absolutely not. Because one of the things, and, and Jesus is the model here, correct? Yeah. Prayer life and an active prayer life does not mean we won't have hardship. Does okay. not mean that life will be a And that's of certainly roses. the example that we find in the great faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. And I would encourage any of our folks that if you want to be inspired, please go and read Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the great faith chapter. Uh, to me, it can change your religious experience. So Gary, they, they might have been slain and, and with a sword and wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and afflicted and tormented and sawn in two. But I love Hebrews 11 verse 13 onwards, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So they, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. That's in yeah, Hebrews yeah, 11, I think, yeah, verses 9 yeah. and 10. He lived in tents, something mm. impermanent, but he was really seeing a heavenly city with real foundations. So they died in the faith, not having literally received, not having uh, physically received the things, but they saw them with the eyes of faith. Mm. And so Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane can say, not my will, but your will be done, because he is looking with the eyes of faith beyond the portals of the tomb. Beyond the cross. Wow! Wow! Keep us keep keep going, Dave. We're going to have so, to. We're, we're coming to the, to the end of our program. So let's go back, uh, Gary, to to Luke chapter eleven and the Lord's prayer. Uh, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says in Luke eleven, "Give us day by day our daily bread." Mm-hmm. So we should pray for our needs. Yeah. God knows our needs, doesn't he, before we he even does. ask. Pray for our needs. Um, doesn't always give us what we want, but to pray for our needs. Uh, and then he says, "For uh, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Uh, I think the Matthew account says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Yes, yes. So this tells us something else about prayer and forgiveness. God won't hear our prayers if... Uh, well, God won't answer our prayers if we're not having a forgiving spirit with someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're forgiven as we forgive. <laughs> That's a little bit of a frightening thought, actually, David. That's a little bit of a frightening thought because, you know, I, I, I'm so conscious that we're living in a world where uh, grudges and hard feelings uh, seem to multiply uh, like the proverbial plague. And, uh, you know, what Jesus is saying here is those people who have offended you, I want you to actually forgive them. And what's more, I'm actually going to forgive you to the same extent that you forgive them. Now, that's that's a bit challenging. It is challenging. It is. But but when we f- forgive others, there is a weight and a burden that's lifted from us. Mm, mm. 
There are a number of other things. Jesus ends that prayer, model prayer, by saying, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah. So Jesus knows that prayer is a powerful weapon against the enemy, and and we can pray for the deliverance and the protection from Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, no. not yeah, not protection from Satan. Protection against Satan. Yeah. No. That, uh, this is an incredibly powerful. It's a teaching prayer that Jesus used to given to his disciples at their request. I, I I love what's actually being shared here. But David, look, let's come to some some music. I I love this particular song. This is uh, uh, Bethany Dillon. How deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. 
Uh, we've got a wonderful gift uh, for you today. If you would like the book Incredible Answers to Prayer by Roger Mornay, uh, please text uh, your name, your address, uh, your phone number uh, to uh, Faith FM, uh, and that's 04888. 808 11. And just add to that, uh, the, uh, uh the name of the book uh, that you want. That's, uh, Incredible Answers is the, is the book that you're looking for. Incredible Answers with your name, your address, your telephone number. And please text, uh, that to 04888. 80811. Also, if you've got any comments or any questions that you'd like, like us to, to deal with, please feel free to text those through to us as well. Uh, we're happy to deal with those, those questions. That's 04888 We'd love, uh, to be able to respond to you. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. And this week, we're taking as our theme, Rediscovering Prayer. And today we ask, what did Jesus teach about prayer? And we've been looking at that thing called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, David, help us out. Our time is starting to run away from us. Thanks, Gary. We've largely been looking at Luke chapter 11, this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer as we know it. But Jesus goes on in this same chapter and talks further about prayer. He, he shares uh, two parables um, and one of them uh, in this chapter is the parable of uh, about a friend at midnight. And um, uh, basically this is a parable about persistence in prayer. Mm. And I want to read a couple of verses uh, from this chapter. And um, this is verses 11 to 13 of, of chapter 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes our children will ask for something that is not healthy or not safe for them. And as God's children, we often ask for things that aren't beneficial. Mm. But God is a good parent and he gives us good gifts. And so Jesus is saying here, one of the things to me, he is saying uh, we need to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. How much more willing is he, uh, if we ask, to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. The Holy Spirit yeah. to dwell in us. So we also have this parable here of a friend who comes at midnight and he is persistently knocking on this man's door, asking for a loaf of bread. And so this is teaching us uh, that we need to be persistent in our prayer life. Mm. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, wasn't he? Three times mm. uh, kept on going back and, and asking his disciples. So we shouldn't give up. The other parable actually wasn't in Luke 11, it's Luke 18, where there is a parable of the unjust judge, where this mm. woman, this widow, keeps going back to the judge. So prayer needs to be persistent. Yeah, in other words, Christ is actually encouraging the apostles to not give up in their requests. And I think that is so important, so so powerful. It has a powerful message to us. But David, look, our time is starting to run away from us. Just uh, tell me, if you had one or two practical pointers uh, that you could share, uh, 
how how do you pray? What practical pointers do you have? Yeah, look, for me, um, I'm a person of routine. If I don't have routine, then I struggle. And mm. uh, there are times where I do struggle. So for me, getting up early and praying in quietness. I get distracted easily. And so Jesus did this. Uh, He went out on the mountain mountain at night to pray and prayed all night. Um, Luke 6.12, now it came to pass in those days that he went out on the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. So we don't have to pray in the one place. Jesus went out into nature in solitude. So for me, it is having a particular time where possible, having a particular place, Mm. and that silence, that solitude. Yeah. And that yeah. means distractions are away. And I think that's actually, what you've actually said there, I think is very important actually to have the, I know in my own life, I find exactly the same thing. I also have to have that, uh, that routine. And for me, uh, first thing in the morning, I know some people say, you know, they can, they pray better at night, but I find first thing in the morning, I'd know that, you know, I have a, have a place where I can, where I can actually spend time, uh, with God. But you know, David, the other thing that really helps me out, is uh, is actually praying out loud. I mean, yeah, I, I don't absolutely do absolutely same with me. I don't do this with when anybody else is around. No. Uh, why do you do it? So I do it to keep my mind from wandering. Yeah, yeah I find exactly the same thing. You know, I, it is so easy, isn't it? You know, you're, you're praying and suddenly you start thinking about the things you've got to be doing today. They come into your head. They do. And, and so I found, you know, I heard from an evangelist, uh, Pastor Mark Finley. Uh, he shared this uh, with me and it dawned on me. You know, sometimes people are concerned if they pray out loud, the devil will hear them. But yeah. Jesus prayed out loud. I, he wouldn't prayed it be, out Wouldn't loud. it be a good thing to have the devil hear you? Absolutely. <laughs> Now, so so for me, yeah, I pray out loud so that uh, I, I remain concentrated yeah, on, yeah. On, on the prayer and not distracted. Another thing that sometimes I do is I will type notes of things I want to pray for, people yeah. I want to pray for. In other words, it is okay to actually write your prayers down. And it's okay to pray with your eyes open. Now, I tend to pray with them shut unless I'm driving. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, again, for distraction, uh, to stop being distracted. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, pray with them open. Pray in nature as you're walking. Prayer walks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is so important. I, I think you've actually nailed a number of things there that uh, certainly in my own experience I'd agree totally with. And I, I find that that is the thing that uh, keeps your mind focused, uh, moving in a direction, and uh, and certainly avoids all the distractions that are going on out there. Um yeah. The, the other thing, Gary, and this is something of more recent times for me, is praying for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and we need to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit. So less of me and more of God and, yeah. and confession of sin as well. Now, as you say, if there's people around, I'm not going to pray out loud. That, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, uh, David, the other thing that I find is actually claiming the promises of God. True. Uh, because there are incredible promises within the scriptures and there seems to be Christ was continually quoting the scriptures back to his father. Uh, and you know, I believe that it's as we uh, actually find just one or two passages in the scriptures that are actually promises. And you get these very quickly if you're, uh, if you're listening. If you want to go online, just look in, uh, look, call down uh, promises of God, just do a search and you'll get, uh, bucket loads of them and they're the promises that I believe the Lord actually wants you to claim. Absolutely. So and that's what prayer is about, isn't it? Yeah. Praying in faith. And the other thing I think is to record what you're praying for. I've seen this in small groups yeah. where miracles have happened when groups of people have come together 
to pray. They record what they're praying for. The people go away during the week. Yeah. And we've had people that couldn't have babies, couldn't get pregnant, that have come back months later after people praying and, and, and people have, uh, you know, they're pregnant. And, and one of the stories, you know, these were church members of mine. They couldn't get pregnant. They finally took it to the church to pray for, the small group to pray for. They, they hesitated for such a long while because it's a personal thing. And, um, in the end, they got pregnant. They got up the front of church and it was a, a real testament to say, this is the power of prayer. A few years later, I shifted on and I met the father, the, the husband and I said, I still share that story when I go around. And he said, you know, there was a problem. He said, we never, to- we never told the small group to stop praying, and they ended up with four kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lord gives abundantly. He does. He does. Yeah, no, look, David, let me pray, uh, because I'm conscious that our time is running away from us. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to pray for our listeners. Uh, Lord, there might be somebody there who, who's struggling right now. Lord, I'm conscious there may be someone who's got a maybe a health problem. Uh, Lord, I, there may be someone who's got a, a financial problem. There may be someone who's dealing with a relationship issue. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray right now for that individual. Lord, I pray that you might place your healing hand upon them. Lord, I pray that uh, they might be abundantly conscious that you are with them at this time and that you are there to provide them with healing. Lord, I pray that indeed you might teach each of us how to pray uh, in a more powerful, in a deeper, in a more relational way. We might come into a closer walk uh, with you. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher uh, on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray spend the entire time looking at that question, how do I pray? These are practical examples. It's going to be a fantastic day tomorrow. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Salah. You are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance whenever I